This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. There's nothing like kicking back after a long day of work with a good book and a hot cup of tea. The taste of delicate herbs and fruit flavors help to warm the body and the soul, melting away the day's problems. Today, tea is as accessible as the water you steep it in, but that wasn't always the case. In 19th century Ireland, the idea of regular people drinking tea nearly ruined society. At least, that's what the rich nobility would have you believe. You see, tea was mostly an Asian commodity until the Portuguese and the Dutch started bringing it to Europe in the mid-1600s. In 1662, Catherine of Braganza, daughter of John IV of Portugal, married King Charles II. Catherine traveled from Portugal to the United Kingdom for her nuptials and brought along her must-have items, namely trunks and trunks of Chinese tea. Once her new husband got a taste, tea became a certified hit. In fact, Catherine of Braganza was credited as the person who made tea popular in Britain. Most people who experienced the beverage praised it for its seemingly endless uses. They claimed that it could do everything from amplifying one's intelligence to giving a person more energy throughout the day. But not to everyone liked it. There were skeptics who believed that tea was harmful to European complexions and their sensitive digestive tracts. And many of their complaints had more to do with where the tea had come from than the drink itself. By the mid-18th century, anti-tea rhetoric was rife with racist innuendos about the beverage's country of origin. That sentiment found its way into numerous writings of the time, too. British traveler Jonas Hanway wrote in 1757 that, To what heights of folly must a nation be arrived when common people are not satisfied with wholesome food at home, but must go to the remotest regions to please a vicious palate? But as time went on, voices like Hanway's fell away to the side. Eventually, tea drinking took on a life of its own. The 1800s saw Ireland adopt a new custom, a mid-afternoon tea time. Wealthy Dublin women would host tea parties to show off their status, as well as their etiquette, to their equally posh peers. There were certain rules to be abided by during these parties, of course, lest you wanted to look uncivilized. For one, the tea had to be of an appropriate quality, and only one cup was to be consumed by each guest. Also, all snacks were required to be presented upon a silver tray. Oh, and certain topics were forbidden from discussion to avoid those uncomfortable arguments or silences. Tea time was meant to be a light break in the day, but only for people of means. You see, even though the poor also had access to tea, their consumption of it was frowned upon. The upper class felt that those of lesser means could not properly prepare it. 
The reason they thought that was because that poor folks often left tea brewing for hours on the flame so that there was always a pot ready to pour for unexpected guests. Doctors, on the other hand, believe that steeping tea leaves for so long would remove all of their tannins, making the drink more toxic to the body and causing stomach aches as well as hallucinations. The rich, on the other hand, only steep their tea for a short amount of time prior to consuming it. But medical professionals and the wealthy weren't really concerned with the health of people on the bottom of the social ladder. They were worried about those people climbing that ladder. Members of the lower class wanted better lives for themselves, and one way they saw of achieving such a thing was in drinking what the upper class was drinking. It also allowed poor women to exert some control over their own lives. The wealthy elite did not approve of how these poor women would get together regularly and enjoy a cup of tea, rather than endlessly tend to the housework that was expected of them. What would happen next? Demanding the right to vote? And that was actually a great fear, that poor women who congregated over tea would become politically active and discuss all the ways they were being mistreated by the upper class. Well, the rich couldn't allow that, could they? Tea was their beverage, and the poor needed to know their place. So the elites started spinning narratives warning young poor women that drinking tea would make them addicted, to the point where they would steal from loved ones and throw their families into bankruptcy, anything to make them second-guess their choice in a beverage. Fortunately, those tactics didn't really work. Tea time became a common practice across class lines, and just as the wealthy had feared, it did help jumpstart the women's liberation movement. Today, we regularly enjoy tea, and we're even more aware now of its health benefits, such as antioxidants boosting our immune systems. There's no need to worry about starting a revolution over a cup of tea every now and then, because, of course, that's what the internet is for now. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating 
Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of Melon Leaf stem cell technology. It's Melon Leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. When it came to revolutionizing mass transit, the number one concern for inventors and innovators has always been speed. It's not enough to have the biggest cabin or the most luxurious seats. What matters most is getting from point A to point B in the least amount of time. The Wright brothers' first airplane only reached a top speed of about 7 miles per hour. Today's commercial airplanes can travel 70 times that, taking people thousands of miles in only a few hours. And the same goes for trains. The first passenger steam locomotive took 450 people a distance of 25 miles, and it never broke 15 miles an hour. Today's bullet trains can hit almost 200 miles per hour. But around 1930, one German engineer believed that faster speeds were possible. It's just a shame that he used a design that would come to symbolize tragedy six years later. His name was Franz Kruckenberg from Uttersen, Germany. He graduated with a degree in naval engineering from the Technical University of Berlin in 1907 and went on to design various aircraft before World War I. After the war, Franz opened his own consulting firm where he designed a new kind of hanging monorail. Unfortunately, despite his best efforts, he was never able to secure the money to build a prototype. But that didn't stop the engineer from moving on to his next great project, high-speed railway transportation. France got to work in 1929, designing a new kind of rail car, one that would be aerodynamic, just like an airplane. Despite certain modern rail vehicles being called bullet trains today, this pre-World War II creation was actually shaped like a bullet. He carried out a series of wind tunnel tests in November of that year, before beginning construction. The final train measured almost 85 feet long and just over 10 feet high. Its lightweight aluminum frame sat on top of a steel chassis and two axles, and it was powered by a pair of BMW IV six-cylinder airplane engines. But what set this train apart from the others of its time was the four-bladed propeller at its rear. Franz famously criticized Zeppelins. He hated the hydrogen inside of them and its explosive nature. So it was funny that his new train car was shaped just like one. Even the workers noticed, which is why they started calling it the Sheenan Zeppelin or the Rail Zeppelin. But despite its minimist design, Franz put a lot of thought into its construction. For example, each of the Sheenan Zeppelin's wheels had an inner flange that was taller than on normal trains. This was meant to keep the car on the tracks at high speeds and reduce the possibility of derailments. The Sheenan Zeppelin was completed in the fall of 1930. It had been designed to shuttle a maximum of 44 passengers at one time. Upon its first test with the propeller, the train hit 62 miles an hour in just over a minute, traveling a distance of 3,200 feet. After three minutes, the rail Zeppelin reached a top speed of 113 miles per hour, at which point the test was stopped. Unfortunately, braking was a major issue for the train. The vehicle required just over a mile of track to stop due to its lightweight and a problem with the rear axle. Still, despite its issues, the Sheenan Zeppelin was shown off to the press on October 18th of 1930, and it became quite a draw for crowds, who wanted to see what it was capable of. 
The test continued for another several months, until June 21st of 1931. That was the date when the rail zeppelin traveled from Karlstadt to Perleberg, Germany with a car full of passengers and crew. It went seven and a half miles, setting a new speed record by reaching a whopping 143 miles per hour. The Schienen Zeppelin was then displayed at the Rennbahnstadion railway station in Berlin for the next several days before its crew got to work upgrading its brakes in the hopes of sending it back out again. Sadly, the train's journey ended there. Its design just wasn't conducive to transporting the masses. For one, it couldn't handle tight curves at high speed, and second, the rear propeller made coupling other cars to it an impossibility. Still, Franz Krukenberg had glimpsed the future of travel, in more ways than one. His high-speed train was shaped like a Zeppelin, and just as unfit for travel as one too. Which reminds me of another infamous vehicle, the Hindenburg. The only difference between the Schienen Zeppelin and the Hindenburg, though, was that the train didn't blow up. In more ways than one. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious.